You may wish to adjust the dial. You are currently tuned into the wrong station. One of those nights, huh? I, I said, one of those nights, huh? Uh, sorry to pry. It just looks like there's a lot on your mind. And typically, when someone's sitting at the end of the bar, at this bar, this time of night, staring into their drink the way you are, well, that's usually a sign, too. <laughs> Not to mention, it's rare to see a new face here. I mean, people walk by all the time. You can see them through the glass. But they hardly ever come in. Though, <laughs> to be fair, this doesn't exactly look like a good time place from the outside. But you know what? Uh, forget it. Different topic. What are you drinking? But, but wait, don't answer that. Let me guess. Something bad. Real bad. You hate it. Right? Ah, uh, I thought so. And you know how? Because every drink of this bar is terrible, and let me just make sure the bartender's not listening. No, I don't see him. <laughs> Probably knocking one out in the back. But yeah, everything here is shit. Or, well, who knows. Maybe I'd like what you're drinking, and maybe you'd enjoy what, uh, that guy over there is having. But somehow, some way, when you order a drink here, you always end up with something you hate. Me, uh, for example. Sour beers. Can't stand them. Which is sad, because I used to like sours. Uh, but this one time, years ago, I, I don't know what happened or why, uh, but I was just sipping on a sour one day, and all of a sudden I thought to myself, Huh. This tastes a little bit like vomit. Maybe that particular brew was a little heavier on the lactic acid. But whatever the reason, I thought that. Then all of a sudden my brain makes that connection and it tells me, this is vomit, this is bad, you hate this. And try as I might, I never got over that mental association. And yet, it seems, whenever I'm here at least, that no matter how much I know I'm going to hate it, I just can't seem to stop myself from ordering sour. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it's some misplaced hope. This time it'll be better. But be careful, my friend. In this place, it's the hope that kills you. Ugh. So, here I sit 
sipping on something I hate, wasting the night away. But, like I was saying before, it's nice when there's a new face. Changes things up. Uh, most nights, it's just the usual crowd around here. <sighs> Look at them. Miserable looking bunch, don't you think? Not that they'll tell you about it. Not really as talkative as me, most of them. But I've learned a few things here and there. You know, we've all been coming here for years, and after a while I can grind them down, get through the armor, pick up a few tidbits, a few uh, juicy details. Let's take uh, her, for example. Older lady, booth in the back by the radiator. Kind of spaced outlook, if you know what I mean. Far as I could tell, she was always a bit of an outcast. Not many friends, didn't get out much. Probably the type who wasn't very popular in school either, though. That part, I'm just guessing. No cats either, if that's where your mind might be wandering. In fact, I gather she's not very fond of animals on the whole. So, she doesn't like people. She doesn't like cats or dogs. I asked her then this one time, What do you like? And she looks up from whatever it is that she's drinking and hating, and gets this little glint in her eye. Looks back down to the table, down to one of those shitty little fake electric candles they've got everywhere these days. And in a low voice, not really whispering, I think her voice is just quiet naturally from underuse. She tells me, I like fire. <laughs> Spooky, right? She goes on to tell me about how her old man used to take her camping, and her favorite part was always when night would come and they'd get a big campfire or a ripping and a roaring. And she especially loved the part, you know, after dinner when they'd take all their garbage and slowly, piece by piece, toss it into the pit and watch it all shrivel up and burn. Watching something ugly become beautiful in the fire. That's the way she phrased it to me. And she kept that love, that appreciation with her for the rest of her life. When other kids or teenagers would be going out to play ball or catch a movie, she'd be poking at a fire, out in her backyard or crouched down in front of the fireplace. And it didn't hamper things one bit when one night she fell asleep to the gentle crackles and flickers and the whole house went up. And what was left of her parents, well, she made sure it was cremated with the utmost respect. They even let her watch through the little quartz pane at the crematorium. You know, <laughs> for closure. Her reputation wasn't quite as unhampered. Fire girl, they called her. And the young lady that had once been seen as a harmless, odd duck was now a pariah. But none of that bothered her, long as she had a roof over her head and a nice, warm fireplace. Even if she had to reactivate a defunct one, send a little harmless smoke into her neighbor's places, or flush out any wild animals who'd taken up residence. One day, though, something did start to bother her. You see... She moved into a building next to this frat house. You know the type. Historic house in the middle of the urban sprawl. Probably near a local university. But she moves in next to this frat, and... Well, 
wasn't exactly a match made in heaven. They were loud, they were messy, they were rude. She'd make her way down to the outdoor fire pit this building had, only to find smashed beer bottles everywhere, clearly tossed over the dividing fence the night before. And when she complained, oh boy, did it get even worse. These frat boys, you see, now they knew that they were living next to the fire girl. The local boys, at least. And, well, one day the pranks just got out of hand. What they did is that they somehow found out which unit she was in. Then they took the garden hose from their backyard and waited till Prime watching the fire time, and... Well, you can imagine. Gave her an awful fright. And her fire that night? Psh, no chance getting that started again. So, she of course responded in the only reasonable way. That same night, she grabbed a can of kerosene, broke into their basement, and... Hmm. Well, she kind of petered off when she got to that part of the story. Told me it all gets kind of fuzzy after that. Only remembers that things didn't quite go the way they were supposed to. <laughs> well, I certainly don't know. But it does remind me of this story I read in the news a few years back. You must have read it too, if you're the news-reading sort. This terrible accident. A house full of students burned down in the middle of the night, and by the time the firefighters could get there, it had already spread to the apartment buildings on either side of it. Old buildings, you know. Sixty-one dead that night. Real tragedy. But, well, must have been some other place. I'm sure they'd have caught her if it was her. I mean, there's no way, right? Anyway, there she sits. Not even she's sure why she always comes back, night after night, sipping on something awful, sitting by the radiator as if she's got this chill she just can't shake. But hey, though unorthodox, hopefully she's lived a life she's proud of, making ugly things beautiful. <laughs> and that's her story. I suppose I've piqued your interest at this point. I mean, I certainly do have a way of interjecting myself. Oh, it always seems to work out. <laughs> uh, where is that bartender? Sure, use another sour. <laughs> anyway, let's uh, let's not talk about me just yet. So many other specimens of oddity out tonight. Oh, I see you giving that fellow the eye. Well, yes, he certainly has a story. Now, him, he's definitely more of a people person, and much more of an animal person. Surrounded by animals since a young age, he told me, and most important and beloved of those childhood companions was Cage. Cage was this big old Rottweiler, he tells me, wide of the shoulders, stocky and strong. Gentle as a lamb with him, but a fierce protector, whether at home or out on the trail. And it was one such day, as he was taking Cage out for a little nature stroll, that he found out just how fierce that was. They're out walking, and all of a sudden this rabid coyote darts out from the bushes just a few dozen yards ahead of them. It's slavering and twitchy, probably hasn't eaten in days. And that fellow, he was still just a teenager when this happened, he just freezes. Tries to remember in vain what to do, the correct course of action. But Cage, before this guy even realizes he's frozen, Cage had 
run down the path full steam. He knocks that coyote down like it's an empty matchbox and goes straight for the throat. By the time the guy's got his senses about him again, Cage is already nuzzling into his leg, snout covered in blood. And at that moment, the way he tells it, he got a different kind of jolt. Not fear, but a kind of excitement. Maybe it's a bit strange as a first reaction to that situation, but his thought was, my dog did that. My dog, who I trained, who obeys me, is a killer. Well, after that, maybe he wasn't so careful anymore about when he took Cage out on the trail, and maybe he took more than just a hint of glee when he'd let his dog off the chain and see what it brought back in its jaws. Though after a while, the excitement of it all died down a bit. Rabbits, pheasants, foxes. No thrill there. No challenge. Cage needed a challenge. He needed a challenge. Now, you might wonder how someone who claims to love animals could justify dogfighting, let alone participate in themselves, but if you really think about it, you still love dogs. You just happen to love your dog a whole lot more than the other one. And he and Cage, they had a hell of a run. They were on top of the local circuit for years. But of course, a dog gets old. And, well, it's an unforgiving sport. Of course, things only spiraled further from there. The next dog, uh, next couple of dogs really, that he got his hands on just didn't quite click with him in the same way. Maybe because he'd become preoccupied with looking for a contender, rather than having a beast whose ferocity was born out of loyalty and love. Also, didn't help that our friend there had become a bit of an uh, enthusiastic gambler. And with that, and the stress, and the pressure, it just uh, it doesn't always breed the best decision making. And then, one night, it all truly comes crashing down. This new dog, and I don't even think this new one had a name, was his last shot, really. He spent half the rent money buying the animal, but the other half down on the bet. And, well, new dog, not used to these things, maybe didn't know how to follow orders so well. It's a grisly end. But our friend over there, he can't take that. He's practically rabid. He's twitching, slavering. <laughs> Poor guy probably hasn't eaten in days. He calls the other trainer a cheat. Pulls a knife on him. But our friend, he's forgotten where he is. And before he can take one step forward, this big old dog just out the corner of his eye rushes him, bowls him right over, and... Well, uh, he petered off at that part of the story. Told me it all gets a little fuzzy. But it all must have worked out, right? I mean, he's here every night, practically. Scratching at that big ugly gash on his neck. Not minding one bit as the rats crawl under the table and nibble at his toes. Hey, come on. What's with that look? I thought we were having fun here. 
Look, I, I think you knew what kind of bar this was when you saw the sign outside. No point raising your nose now. These are fine people here. The usual crowd, you know what that means? Loyal. Loyal to a struggling local business. Even one where the, where the bartender seems to really love his 20-minute breaks. <laughs> ah, he, he can't help it. Has urges he needs to take care of. He used to be a politician, you know. Helped pass some real nasty morality laws. But then they found out he was a bit of a hypocrite and his constituents hung him high. Or... Maybe he did that to himself. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We all like to feel something, don't we? Anyway, now he's been put in charge of this place. Someone must have uh, figured the administrative experience would help. And who else? Uh, who else? Oh, maybe the truck driver who just wanted a little bit of company on those long, cold roads. Or, oh, how about the pediatric nurse with opinions? Or maybe... No. No, I know what you want to know about. You've been wondering since I slid up beside you, haven't you? Come on, there's no shame in it. I'm an intriguing person. I've always taken pride in it. People like talking to me. They, they let me in. Tell me about their lives and their troubles. And in my former line of work, that was a damn good thing. <laughs> Here's what I would do. My game, if you will. I'd drift into town and come to a bar like this one. Small, local, quiet. And then I'd find someone behaving very much in the way that you've been behaving all night. Someone who looked like they had worries, troubles, and not a friend in the world they could tell about it. And along comes me, always ready to listen. I'm very good at listening, you know. Much better than I am at talking, though. <laughs> I'm not half bad at that either. And inevitably, the night would go on and on and on, and the bar would need to close up shop. Hey, you know... I don't have an early day tomorrow. We could keep this going at your place. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's when the real work would start. It takes a lot to get someone to tell you the important things you want to know. Pin codes, passwords, and the like. I mean, it was work for both of us. But at least they always got to go on vacation afterwards. <laughs> and, you know, nobody likes work, but... Everyone's got to find a way to make a living, yeah? <laughs> well, after that, the acid bath. My favorite part. Because it's when all the moaning and sobbing would stop. I like listening to people, you know? The stories they have to tell. But when they just start crying, ugh, I can't fucking stand it. And the old acid in a bathtub trick made it all fade away. Then I'd just coast for a few weeks, live it up, as them, rack up the bills, put it all on the credit card, see if anything juicy came in the mail. It never did last forever, though. Even the loneliest people in the world have landlords and debt collectors who will come a-knockin', and that's when it would be time to skip town, move on, and find a new friend. It all seemed to be going so well. You know? I really don't remember what went wrong. Did I take a slip? Maybe my knots weren't as tight that night. 
and they got a hand loose and yanked me down to the top. <laughs> I'm really not sure. Uh, it's all a little fuzzy. Uh, I'm, I'm probably not remembering it right. But anyway, uh, I rolled into this town soon after and started coming here. And though I don't care much for the place, it feels right being here every night. You know, it's nice to be a regular. <laughs> and you know what's really funny? I used to spend my life taking over other people's lives, becoming them. And now, well, look at me. <laughs> I've got no face to speak of. It's just a blank canvas, like my features were washed away with acid. Sure as hell can't tell you my name either, if I ever had one. Nor anything about my past. No, no, all I seem to know about myself is what I did to other people. And that I seem to hate sour beers. <laughs> but enough about me. Me, me, me! Even though I bet you were curious. No, 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 I'll be honest. I slid on over here because I wanted to know a bit more about you. It's not every day that we get a new face around here. People walk by. Sometimes they even take a peek through the class. But they never come in. It's just one of those bars. Nobody comes in unless they belong. Like I've been saying all along, it's really just the usual crowd. So come on, tell me something. I really do love to listen. Hey, come on, don't don't clam up now. I've shared so much with you, all I'm asking is for just one little tidbit. Just, just, c c come on, let me, let me touch your face. Come, come on, I just, I just, I gotta know. Just, what's your story? Just, just, let me touch it. Oh, 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 oh. See, oh, that's, that's very interesting. And, uh, <laughs> now I really want to know what you're drinking. This week's episode, Just the Usual Crowd, was written and performed by Anthony Botello. The Wrong Station is made possible with the generous support of our listeners on Patreon. Thank you to Josh Benealy, The Lurking Transmission, Darius, Alex Vega, and MR for helping us keep the lights, well, off. You can also support us by leaving a rating and review on iTunes, or wherever it is you listen to The Wrong Station. The Wrong Station is co-produced by Alexander Saxton, Anthony Botello, and Jacob Duarte Spiel, with music composed and performed on the piano by Elan Citrin, and arranged for the viola and performed by Viola Schmidt. You can follow The Wrong Station on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and email us at therongstation at gmail.com. And until next time, thank you for listening. <laughs>